0: took off after eating Kevin Coors chili. Is he here? Uh, I I think the name of the peppers he put in there were raging death. (laughs) I'm kidding. I have no idea, but it was spicy. So uh, it was a great time, though. This year, I'm going to take some advice. I think it was Lori Cummins who said, what we should do is bring cupcake pans. And that way you can have a little bit of chili a lot of different times and see what you really like. And so I'm really going to take that advice because I, I love all of them except the ones that I'm still on fire from. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> hey, we have a Good Friday coming up in a couple months, and we just want to let you know that um, that's coming up on 4 7 and uh, this year, that'll just be um, put on by, by our people. Our people will be doing all the scripture readings and stuff. Um, in the past, we've had lots of different pastors from different churches come in. This year, will just be our, our church, and we'll also be leading communion that night. And then we'll plan to have a kid's choir uh, the, on Easter Sunday on 4-9, like we just did for Christmas and like we did for Easter last year. So that's the plan for that. We are in Matthew chapter 6, so if you'd like to take your Bibles with me, uh, I'll have it on the screen, but if you have your Bibles and you want to open them with me, we'll be in Matthew chapter 6. This is a series called Life Goals, and Jesus goes through different life goals that people might have, and uh, some of them are wrong. (laughs) And he says, like, you're going to be tempted. It's kind of like the look at me a second. And I'll look at you. You are going to be tempted to live for people's approval. You're going to be tempted to have the wrong life goal. And the wrong life goal is impressing... That got your attention, didn't Is impressing other people. Another way to have a wrong life goal is to live to store up treasures here on earth. That's the wrong life goal because that stuff is all going away. A third wrong life goal is just to be driven by fear that I won't have enough. Just fear. What should we eat or what should we drink or what should we wear? And so Jesus tells us also the right life goal. He tells us at the beginning of the passage, do not do your works of righteousness before men to be seen by them because if you do, you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. So the, and then he'll go on to explain that We should do works of righteousness for God. So right with Godness, in the beginning of Matthew chapter 6, is the right goal. And then at the end of the chapter, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, he says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his right with Godness, and all these other things will be added unto you. So at the beginning of the chapter and at the end of the chapter, he tells us, to seek or to strive for right with Godness. This makes sense given where Jesus starts in the Beatitudes as you look at how the Beatitudes, those are the blessed are the, blessed are the, blessed are the in Matthew chapter 5, the very beginning. It, it, those are shaped like repentance, and I, I can't repeat every sermon I've preached on this, but I'm trying to make allusions to it, those of you who are here, at the, at the, in the bottom of the U-turn for the repentance Hunger. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after right with Godness, for they will be satisfied. So the goal is right with Godness. That's what we're going to pursue when we do these different spiritual exercises. Okay, so we're on the third of three spiritual exercises this week, which is fasting. So if I could assign homework this week, just to let you know on the front end what it's going to be, I would invite you to fast. Now, when I say fast, what I'm talking about is what, how the Bible defines fasting, and that is going without food. Now, I realize there are other kinds of fasting that people do. Some people, for Lent, will give up social media, or some people will give up certain kinds of food, or some people will give up one thing or another. When you read about fasting in the Bible, it is giving up food. Other things, if you do them as worship, great, no problem. In the Bible, it's giving up food. It's giving up food not to get skinny. A lot of people want to fast because they're going on a diet. And if you want to fast, go on a diet, that is completely fine. No problem with intermittent fasting. But that's not what this is talking about. We're not talking about how to get right with your scale. We're talking about how to get right with God. We're not talking about weighing less. We're talking about growing spiritually. So that's what we're talking about here. We're we're talking about a spiritual exercise, not a diet. Going without food to, to do something for our relationship with God. And we'll talk about what that is. So one of the questions that I want to answer today is, why would anyone fast? Why would you do this? We'll talk about that in just a second. So let's start in Matthew chapter 6, verse 16, right after we pray. Lord, I ask that you would stand in front of me while I'm in front of them, that you would talk over me while I talk to them. Do this so that your name is glorified, so that your kingdom comes, so that your will is done here on earth as it is already being done in heaven. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 says, and what are those next three words? When you fast. Not if you fast, not you probably won't, but when you fast. And when you fast. You're going to see that again, by the way. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. So the hypocrites are pretenders. They are people that want to put on a show to show everyone else how right with God they are, but they don't care about God. What they really care about is what you think. What they really care about is what the people around them think. They're playing for the audience that is around them rather than for God. No one likes hypocrites. You're not like, you know what I really like? I like fake people. You know what I really like? I like it when people lie to me. You know what I really like? You know who I trust? You know who I trust? I trust people that pretend they're something they're not. not, You don't like that. None of us like hypocrites. None of us would say, I want to be a hypocrite when I grow up. None of us, you know what I need more of in my life? I need more hypocrisy in my life. None of us are going to say that. None of us want to be that. None of us want fake righteousness. None of us want manufactured like image management, like, so I'm going to be really good at pretending I'm something I'm not. None of us want that. But here it is. We all, we all know we can do it. We all know we're capable of it. And Jesus is saying, Look at me, while I'm looking at you, this is something you're going to be tempted with, pretending you're something you're not. Jesus said, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the pretenders or the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. So, you know, these are the folks that would kind of go through like, Oh, I'm so hungry, oh, I'm so, oh, I'm so tired, oh, oh. What's wrong? Oh, nothing, nothing. (laughs) No, really, what's wrong? Oh, I'm fine. Just been praying and fasting, but don't worry about it. I don't want anyone to know Do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, but they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Like whatever it is, like if they're playing for the crowd and the crowd approves of it, great. That's all they're going to get. If they're playing for the crowd and the crowd is like, that is turning my stomach and awful and it's fake and everyone knows, even them, or maybe not them, but everyone else knows, that's all they're going to get. But that's all they're going to get. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward, but when you fast, so don't let the danger of fasting wrong keep you from fasting right, but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that you're, like you could say, like if if we were writing this today, we'd say, take a shower and shave, take a shower and do your makeup, take a shower and do your hair. Anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others but by your Father who sees in secret. Play for God. Not for them. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. I, want you to, I just want you to feel the weight of that. Your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Would you read that with me? Ready? And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. He sees. Now, before we move on, because we're going to move on next week with laying up treasures in heaven, I want you to see that this phrase is repeated three times in this passage. Your Father who sees in secret will reward you reward you. And I'm, I, I my goal is to kind of press this into you. You know why? Because it's January and we've had about 10 minutes of sunshine in the last three months. And we're all, kind of, <laughs> right? And we're all kind of tired because we've all been serving in different ways. A lot of us have been serving in different ways. Like, we, we have a lot of people show up and volunteer on Wednesday nights. A lot of people show up and volunteer on Wednesday nights. And you've been doing that for a long time. Week after week after week after week after week, you show up and you volunteer. And it's been, it's been months, and you know what? We're not done yet. It's like you're at that point in the race where you're tired and you're in pain, but you can't see the finish line yet. It's January, and like, April is still a long ways away. I want to encourage you with this. Your father sees the way you're serving. He sees it, and he will reward you. Those of you that show up and serve in zone or serve in the nursery, and you show up, you take your turn, and you serve, and you serve, and you serve. Your father sees you. Those of you that set up chairs, I mean, I think a lot of us take it for granted. We think the chairs just magically appear every Sunday morning. You may not believe this, but you know, when the, you leave on Wednesday night and the gym is completely clear, you come in on Sunday morning and here are the chairs. Like, how does that happen? I'll tell you how that happens. On Saturday afternoon, about 3 p.m., a trustee looks at his family and says, Well, you know what I really want to do on Saturday afternoon? What I really want to do on Saturday afternoon is go in and set up 200 chairs. And they're all like, yeah. <laughs> it's just because you love God and you love his folk that you do that. And your father sees and he will reward you. So if you're getting tired, like, just remember your father sees and he will reward you. So many of you do what Jesus taught. He said in chapter 6, verse 2, and when you give to the needy, so many of you do this. You give to the needy. You do your acts of mercy. You make meals for people, and you drop it off. The hungry, the weary, the sick, you make these meals, you drop them off, and no one ever knows about it except them. Your Father sees you. Thank you for doing this. He will reward you. So many of you sit with the broken. You sit there. They're broken. Of course, you're kind of broken too, but you're sitting with them. You're helping them. You're keeping them company. You're ministering to them, serving God by serving them. Your Father sees you. He sees you, and He will reward you. Do not grow weary in well doing. So many of you go and visit and serve the lonely, the left for dead, the forgotten about. You go and you visit them. There's no program for that. There's no, like, you just go and you do it. Your Father sees you, and He will reward you. Do not grow weary in well doing. Your labor for the Lord is not in vain. He sees and he will reward. Amen. There are so many of you that are prayer warriors here. In the next passage, you know, after he talks about giving to the needy, he talks about, and when you pray. There are so many of you that pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. Your Father sees that. He sees it. He will reward you. He sees when you pray through your tears. He sees when you pray, you have to put down your phone, you have to turn the stupid thing off, you have to set it aside, and you have to pick up a journal, and you have to write. He sees that. He sees it, and he will reward you. He sees when you pray, when you feel like your faith is old and your faith is stale, your faith is kind of half there and you're just not even sure. He sees when you pray through your doubts. He sees it and he will reward you. He sees when you pray and no one knows and no one cares and you keep praying even though you don't see an answer right away. He sees and he will reward This is why, this is why we serve, this is why we pray, because we believe God sees and that he rewards. And there's probably, there's probably part of us that's going, I'm not sure it's good news that God sees. I'm not convinced entirely that it's good news that God sees and knows everything. Because I know what I've done and I know what he's seen. And for you, I just would like to remind you of how the book ends. With Jesus dying on the cross for our sins and rising again to give us newness of life. I'd just like to remind you that he died to pay our debts. The sin debt that we racked up that we could never pay. He died to pay for our sins. The crimes that we committed that deserve punishment, he died to take our punishment onto himself. The wrath that our sins deserve, he took our place. He bore God's wrath. He drank the cup of God's wrath in our place so that when God would look at us, he could see the right with godness, that is Christ, that Christ gave to us as Christ gave as Christ took our sins and gave us his right with godness or righteousness. He took our place and gave us that. So when the Father looks at you, he doesn't see your sin, he sees Christ's righteousness if you've received him as your Savior and Lord. So what what we're looking at with these different practices is how to live that out. Like, if that's true, then how do I live that out? Well, through acts of mercy, through prayer, and through fasting, for the three examples. So we fast because we believe God sees and God rewards, and we're right with God because of the cross and the resurrection. So what we should do is we should fast. Now, I, talked you, I said I was going to tell you why we should fast, because I think, like, if I'm not going to fast to get skinny, then why in the world would I fast? And if I'm not going to fast to get in shape, then why fast? Well, I'm going to tell you why to fast. But I have to show you a map first. So, here is Jerusalem in the Middle East. And before, uh, before it was Jerusalem... A guy named Abraham was called from Ur uh, of the Chaldees. So he's called. He probably makes a trip along the river here, comes down along, the, uh, along where there's some water, and ends up wandering around in this area. This is Abraham. The book of, this is in the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis ends with them over here in Egypt, where they, in the book of Exodus, become slaves, and they're oppressed as a people, and then God leads them out, uh, back across the Red Sea. We're not sure exactly where that was, somewhere down in this area. But they're let, and they spend 40 years wandering in this area here. And it is really bad and awful, and they make it back to the land, and eventually they become a nation with Jerusalem as their capital. And it's a long story that I'm compressing into about a minute, but one thing leads to another, they have a king. And they begin to sin. God called them to be a light of the world, to be different from all the other nations, to be, and they are a light by being different from all the other nations. Does that sound familiar at all from where we've been in Matthew chapter five? Different, because you're the light of the world. God called them to be different, be the light of the world. But they were just like the other nations. So God sent them back to Babylon through the exile. So Babylon comes in, destroys everything, and takes a bunch of people back to Babylon. Daniel and his buddies, if you know the book of Daniel, would have gone back to Babylon in one of these, export, one of these deportations from Jerusalem back to uh, Babylon, where God is going to renew them as a people before he sends them back. So they're back in Babylon. Babylon then gets conquered by Persia. So Susa is the capital city of Persia, and um, Persia is conquered the next year. Then Persia allows a wave to come back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. Ninety years later, Nehemiah returns to rebuild the walls. And a priest by the name of Ezra also returns to to, um, reinstitute worship. What they find is that the people had returned, in that 90 years, the people had returned to the same old sins that God had sent them into exile for committing. Think about that. God had had said, because you're just like the other nations, I'm going to send you into exile back from Babylon back to Babylon from whence you came. The people, this is a horrible, horrible. If you read accounts of this stuff, it's it's horrible. The people go through that. They get to come back to the land and then they start committing the same old sins. It reminds me of generational sins. Like sins their great, 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 great grandfathers had committed and each grandfather had committed all down through the line that their grandfather had committed, their father had committed and now here they are repeating those same sins. And Ezra and Nehemiah see this and they're like, this is, what? We have to stop Everything. And so they stop everything, and this is what we read about in Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 1. Now, on the 24th day of this month, the people of Israel were assembled with, what's that next word? Fasting. And in sackcloth, like torn bag clothes, and with earth on their heads. Are they supplementing this fast with coffee? No. This is like... We have to change, and we have to change right now. Now, on the 24th day of this month, the people of Israel were assembled, were fasting in sackcloth and with earth on their heads. And the Israelites separated from themselves all the foreigners. So this is, they're becoming just like the nations by intermarrying with them and becoming just like them. You read this account in Ezra chapter 9 as well, 9 and 10. And they stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. So why do you fast? You fast as a supplement to repentance. You fast so you're saying, I can't beat this sin by myself. I need your help. You fast to say, I'm humbling myself before you. I can't fix this. I see my desperate need. I'm depending on you to help me with this sin to conquer this sin for me the the sin that we are caught up in i can't god come and help generational sins man anger abuse alcoholism Adultery. They don't have to win. But it's not going to be easy. And God is saying, I'll help. I'm offering you my righteousness, I'll give you my righteousness. But you have to learn to walk this out, you have to learn to put this into practice. And fasting is a way to learn how to be what God has already made us in Christ. It's a way to learn to depend on Christ as we repent. Another reason to fast. Well, I've got to show you another map. Back to, back to Susa, Persia. Uh, These are the people that did not make the trip back to Jerusalem for one reason or another. They're the people that were still in exile in Persia. And they they had things were sometimes okay and sometimes worse. And this was a time when it was worse. It was a time when um, they were in grave danger as a people. where, Where a guy named Haman had decided he wanted to eradicate all of them. He wanted to kill all the Jews that were in Susa, Persia. And Esther uh, had become queen. It's a long story. I can't tell you the whole thing right this second. But she had become queen. But the king wasn't talking to her at the minute. And so her father figure comes to her and says, his name is Mordecai. He comes to her and says, you need to go talk to the king on our behalf. You need to do this. And she says, but I'm really afraid because this is illegal, and if I do this, I may die. And he says to her, we're all going to die if you don't. <laughs> like, that's, that's kind of a, who knows? Maybe God has put you in place at this time. He actually implies God is going to rescue us, either through you or through somebody else. God has put you in this place at this time, for a reason, for such a time as this. That's that verse. For such a time as this, you're in this position, please do what God is calling you to do and go talk to the king. She's like, but I'm really, 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 really afraid. This is really, 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 really scary. But she says, I'll do it. But you're going to have to, well, you'll see. Go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf and do not eat or drink for three days. Now normally with a fast you can drink water, but this is a different kind of fast and it specifies when it's a different kind of fast. This is a kind of fast where there's no eating or drinking at all. And do not fast on my behalf. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. We're not talking about, we're talking about we're going to eat nothing because we're in a desperate position, and if God doesn't help, we are all going to die. This is a pass or fail thing. And hold a fast on my behalf. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day, and my young women will also fast as you do. We're all going to fast because we are depending on God. Therefore, when I go to the king, though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Why would you fast? Will you fast... Because you're saying, God, this is desperate, and I desperately need you. We desperately need you. We are in big trouble, and we're not going to make it if you don't help. It's declaring our dependence on God. You might fast when somebody is in the hospital fighting for their life. You might say, you know, this is a time to fast and pray for their life. You might fast before a big, scary next step. You might fast and say, God, I need your direction here. Fasting is a way of declaring your dependence on Christ rather than, rather than food. So the first reason, the reason to fast is to repent, to turn away from old sins. The second reason... To fast is to depend on the Lord. The third reason to fast is found in Isaiah. Now, the people uh, in Isaiah are saying, God, it seems like we keep fasting and you keep ignoring us. So what's the point? Why have we fasted and you see it not? Like, what is the point? Why are we doing this if you don't care? We have humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it. Like, that's almost synonymous with fasting is humbling yourself. So you humble yourself in repentance. You humble yourself to depend on God. But even in, even in the Old Testament times, fasting had been a great opportunity for hypocrisy. And evidently, this is what was happening in Isaiah's day. We have humbled ourselves, and you take no knowledge of it. You, here we are fasting, and you don't even care. Behold, in the day of your fast, so this is the Lord's return, you seek your own pleasure and oppress your workers like like, you're not even trying. You, you say you're all about being right with God, and you say, I'm fasting because I want to be right with God so much, and I'm really trying to get in line with God, and God's saying, you're not even trying because you're pursuing your own stuff, oppressing your own workers. What are you even doing? What are you even talking about? So here's, here's the kind of fast that God likes. I'm moving past a couple verses there. In verse 6, it was, is this not the fast that I choose? Here's the kind of fast that I want, God says. To loose the bonds of wickedness and undo the straps of the yoke. To let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke. Here's what I want. I want broken people to be fixed. I want enslaved people to go free. I want bound people loosed. That's what I want. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house? So you might be like, well, I would share, but I just can't afford it. Isaiah says, well, you could stop eating and you could share by giving what you were going to eat to somebody else. That's kind of a shock to the system, isn't it? So, reason number one to fast is to repent. Reason number two is to depend. Reason number three is to share. Reason number three is to share. Now, this would not technically be a fast in the Bible's definition of the word, but I heard of a church, um, and you and I could do something similar if, if we decided the Lord is leading us to it, but I heard of a church that said, we are only going to eat like the developing world that we are trying to help. And so in this developing part of the world that they were trying to help, what they ate was a cup of rice in the morning, a cup of rice in the afternoon, and a cup of rice with a few vegetables in the evening. And so what this church decided to do was to eat just like that church, just like that church in the developing world that they were trying to help. They're going to eat just like them. So you have these hangry pastors walking around who are hangry because all they've had to eat that day is a cup of rice in the morning, a cup of rice in the afternoon, and a cup of rice with a few vegetables in the evening. It was like a shock to their system, but it allowed them to be radically generous because everything they saved on their grocery bill that week they got to give away. Just like fasting would be a biological shock to our system, we might need a spiritual shock to our system. And a good way to shock our system is with radical service or radical generosity. So if you feel like your faith is stale, if you feel like there's been no forward progress in your life for a long time, if you feel like I just... I'm just not getting anywhere. God seems far away. It would be in keeping with Matthew chapter 6 and Isaiah chapter 58 to go through a fast and whatever you save, give that away. Give it away to something important. Give it away to something meaningful. Give it away in a way that will really make a difference. Meet somebody's need. And this this would be like electronically shocking your heart back to life as you learn to do what Jesus and Isaiah before him has called us to do. So here's what I'm saying. Here's your homework that we started with. This week, I'd like you to secretly fast, secretly go without food because this is a great way to repent. Or this is a great way to depend on the Lord. This is a great way to jumpstart, to shock, reinvigorate your faith. Do this because God sees and God rewards. Do this because it is a good way to live out the righteousness that we have in Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you that you don't leave us for dead, or leave us alone, or abandon us, but that you loved us, and came, walked among us, and died on the cross from our sins. Rose again, and give us newness of life. Share your Holy Spirit with us. Lord, help us live out the righteousness that we have in you by practicing these disciplines.